0: Well good morning, it's great to be with you all uh, here this morning and thank you for joining us if you're joining us online, great. All right, well our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. We'll be looking at a couple of verses, verses 17 to 31. Uh, It'll be behind me here on the screen. If you're joining us live, it should be there showing up on your screen as well. Hear God's word to you this morning from the Gospel of Mark. Mark. And as he, this is Jesus, was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, All these I have kept for my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Jesus began to say to him, or Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father, or children, or lands, for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of the Lord. Join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you because your word is alive and it speak to us. Would you grant us the humility to listen intently to what you would have to say to us through this text and in your grace, empower us by your spirit to live it out in our lives. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, uh, Leah, who's my oldest, my eight-year-old, about to be a third grader, uh, was playing a video game on our phones. And in this game, as you complete tasks, uh, you get coins, which you can then use to advance or buy items to help you in the game. Now, she'd been playing this game for several weeks, had gotten and saved a bunch of her coins, and she'd gotten really good at it. She had finally earned enough coins to really start moving up in the game, you know, buy different uh, things that are allow her to become better uh, in the game. Well, this one day, she's walking around, and someone asks her if she wants to trade some of her coins for this item in the game uh, that this person had. Now, I was telling I was telling Nancy that I was going to tell this story, and she said I had to mention what the item was. And it was a mega neon cat. I have no idea what that means or what it's used for, but apparently it's a really big deal. Some of the kids I see are nodding their heads like, yeah, I don't know what it is. Nevertheless, she thought that it was a good trade. And as they're getting ready, or as she's getting ready to hit the trade button, she notices that the other person had taken the item away from the screen. But by the time that she had noticed, it was too late. She hit send and gave most of her money away. And in return, she got nothing. Needless to say, she was devastated. She was heartbroken. This happened like a month ago and we're still talking about it. It's still a touchy subject, so please don't bring it up. Actually, she's probably watching a live stream, so love you, baby. Sorry. Now, as followers of Jesus, we're called to give up some things in order to gain other things. But what can so often happen is we ask ourselves, you know, is it worth it? Is this trade, is what I'm giving up really worth what I'm getting in return? Well, the message of this passage is that following Jesus means giving up things in order to freely join him in what he's doing. Following Jesus means giving up things in order to freely join him in what he's doing. So we'll look at this passage through three kinds of giving that Jesus asked for. First, giving up. Second, giving in. And third, giving out. So giving up, giving in, and giving out. Out. So first, giving up. Now the passage uh, begins as many of the stories that, uh, if you recall, we've seen in Mark begin uh, with Jesus on the road, verses 17 and 19. And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" Jesus says to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. You know the commandments." And then he lists them. And the man says to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Now, it's important that we understand from the very outset a bit more about this man. Uh, The gospels of Matthew and Luke also recount this story and they add a few more details about the man. Matthew adds that he was young and that he had great wealth. Luke mentions that he was a ruler, most likely a Jewish prince or magistrate. He had a good social standing in the community. Therefore, he's often described as the rich young ruler. So this rich young ruler comes to Jesus with a very important and significant inquiry. I want to be assured Of eternal life after death. I want to be sure that after I die, I have eternal life. And it's incredible, it's an incredible question. It, It shows you that he was obviously religious and sincere. And based on the conversation here, he had good reason to believe so, as he was very observant of the law. Now, as an observant Jew in the first century, he already had to give heavily to the poor. It was one of the many requirements codified in the law. However, what he's asking Jesus here is he wished to do something out of the ordinary. A deed so great that no one could question his zip code after he was dead. Now being rich he probably imagined that Jesus would command him to give a large donation to the poor, that the crowd would be astounded and amazed, and that the man would say, yes, I'm willing to do that. But instead, Jesus points him to the law, specifically six out of the Ten Commandments. Now, Jesus isn't suggesting that if the young man followed all the commandments, he could be sure he'd go to heaven. In the Gospel of Matthew, after the young man tells him that he's kept all the commandments, the young, rich ruler asks, what do I still lack? What am I missing? What haven't I done? What else is there for me to do? And that is the key statement. Verses 21 and 22, Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lacked one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, the young rich ruler goes away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What was the problem here? What was the issue? It wasn't that this man was wealthy. That wasn't the problem. It wasn't that he didn't give to the poor. Again, we know that if he was an observant Jew that followed the law, he was giving to the poor. The problem, the issue, was that he wasn't willing to give it all up in order to follow Jesus. He didn't understand that in order to get what he wanted, eternal life, required being a full-time disciple follower and apprentice of Jesus. He thought that if he just did some grand gesture he could get what he wanted. You know this rich young ruler wasn't the only person that we meet in the gospel that wasn't willing to give it all up in order to follow Jesus. The other gospels give brief summaries of people in similar incident, similar scenarios. We just get this story of the rich young ruler in expanded form. For example, Jesus tells one man to follow him, only to be told that he has to bury his father first. You remember that? He extends another invitation to another man, only to get the reply that this man has to say goodbye to his family first. And in all of these cases, Jesus elevates the bar of discipleship. He elevates the requirement of what it means to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus. Friends, following Jesus always comes with a cost. What has it cost you? What are the things that are holding us back from following Jesus fully into mission? I think that for many of us, it revolves around three things. Not all of us, but maybe most of us. For some of us, it's the pursuit of wealth, like the rich young ruler. Pursuing wealth through a work and career prevents us from living exclusively for Jesus, following him into mission. For others of us, it's the pursuit of pleasure. We search for and we make idols out of sex and addictions, pornography, drugs, and alcohol to satisfy our thirst. And finally, for others, it's the pursuit of family. We search for safety, comfort, and security at the expense of opening up our homes to strangers and having margin in our lives for neighbors and for friends. Like with the rich young ruler, however, Jesus says, you have to give it up if you want to follow me. If the rich young ruler truly wanted to inherit eternal life, he would have to become a disciple and give up everything for Jesus. Which leads us to the second point, giving in. Notice that when Jesus tells the man to sell everything and give it to the poor, he gives them the reason or the purpose for doing so. Come and follow me. See, what Jesus was really requiring of this man was not that he give up his wealth for its own sake. Jesus' point is sell all that you have so that you're free to come and follow me. Jesus was not calling the man to poverty for its own sake, but to discipleship, to be free to follow Jesus without anything holding him back. The question put to the man is whether or not he will follow Jesus if it means he must give up all of his possessions. And in that sense, what Jesus says next makes perfect sense. How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man or a person to enter the kingdom of God. See, although this passage gives a dire warning about riches, and it does that. This is not a mere advocacy for a social program or this romantic praising of the idea of poverty. The issue is Jesus. And the point is that following him and joining his mission are to be put ahead of all other interests. If the man had loved God more than he did his property, he would have been willing to give it up to the service of God. But that was not the case. He had made an idol of his wealth, and he loved it more than God. And so we're left asking the same question that the disciples did then who can be saved? Who can inherit eternal life? Who can enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus replies, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Is it possible? Yes. How? Only by giving in. What Jesus is saying is if you think you can pull this off by yourself, then you've got no chance. Of course, your hearts won't want to give everything up for Jesus. But if you let God do it, you have every chance in the world. See, if we're honest, we're all like the rich young ruler. Our hearts don't want to give up wealth, pleasure, family, safety, security, and comfort for the sake of Jesus and his mission. Our only possible hope is for someone to soften our hearts and show us the way. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was rich beyond measure. He had everything at his disposal. He he lacked nothing. Nothing was out of his reach. As ruler over all the universe, he had unlimited power. His authority knew no bounds or limits. He could give an order and fully expect it to be carried out. And finally, at this point in his life, he was young very young, in the prime of his life, early 30s with so much to look forward to. Jesus was the ultimate rich young ruler. And yet what does he do with his riches in heaven? He comes down to earth and is born in poverty, the son of a carpenter and an unwed mother. What does he do with his power as ruler? He's born a human, Submitting himself to the same limitations and weaknesses that you and I have. And what does he do with his youth? He lives it in service of God and his purposes for his life. And ultimately, he gives up his life for his people. Why did he give it all up? The riches, the power, his very youth and life. He gave it all up. Because he loved his father more than everything. He gave it all up because God was worth more to him than any of these things. He gave it all up so that you and I could not have access to unlimited riches, unlimited power, and they inherit the eternal life that this rich young ruler wanted. And this all allowed him to fulfill his mission of bringing healing and restoration to the world. See, the paradox in this story is that being wealthy, he was willing to pay the price for the person worth. He wasn't willing to pay the price for the person worth the most. But the gospel says that Jesus, being wealthy, was willing to pay the price for the people worth the least. Friends, following Jesus requires us to give it all up. But we can't do that unless we give in. The beauty of the gospel is that we are following someone who gave it all up first. And when you let that truth into your heart, when you let that truth mold and shape your affections, when you make that truth the center of your life, you will be able to give up everything for Jesus. It is possible. All things are possible with God. Third, giving out. So, what is our response to this great news? Giving out. The passage ends with Peter speaking up about what the 12 disciples had already given up in order to follow Jesus. He tells Jesus, See, we have left everything and followed you. What's fascinating, knowing previous interactions between Peter and Jesus, is that far from chastising him from such a self-centered view, Jesus actually reassures him with these words, Truly I say to you, There is no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now and this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Mark's wording For my sake and for the gospel confirms that the reason for the abandonment of one's possessions is for actual participation with Jesus in the activity of proclaiming his message. For Mark, participating in the mission of the church is a vital part of following Jesus. This is what I mean by giving out. Jesus is telling his followers to give up by giving in. In order to give out. Jesus knows that we won't be able to passionately, consistently, and purposefully pursue Jesus on mission if we have things, including wealth, weighing us down. Distracting our attention and holding us back. The mission is too important It has cosmic and universal implications for our lives, our families, our neighborhoods, our cities, and our world. There can't be anything that holds us back. Jesus expands the list, notice, of things that might be dropped. And it includes not only possessions, but also even relationships that might have to be sacrificed in order to freely join him in what he's doing. This is how we know that there's more to this story than just wealth. The most important question here is what is keeping you from obeying and following Jesus fully and completely? For this man, it was wealth. His possessions were keeping him from Jesus and therefore his kingdom and eternal life. The primary question for a follower of Jesus is, what is Jesus telling me to do? Not my friend, not my neighbor, not other Christians. What is he calling me to drop in this situation with this person in this season? And the answer is different. For different people for some of you it has to do with matters of wealth because your wealth is keeping you from being a full follower of Jesus but for others of you it's your sexuality for others it's your family for others it's your addiction for others it's your work and career that's why Jesus mentioned some disciples having to leave mothers, others' fathers, children, houses, others' property. Every disciple has to drop something. The disciples had dropped their nets. That was their source of success and satisfaction. But they had to drop them in order to follow Jesus. Every follower of Jesus has to drop something. Why? Why? Because whatever you're holding on to will grip you, will capture your heart and your imagination to the point that you won't be any use to Jesus' kingdom, to his mission, to what he's trying to do in you and through you. So I'll ask you again to listen to the Spirit's voice this week. What is Jesus telling you to give up by giving in in order to give out. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much this morning for your word. And I pray that um, I've been faithful in proclaiming it and that you would apply it in the lives of my brothers and my sisters. That this week would we each take time to do a hard assessment. And also to do a habits exam. What are the things that are holding us back? The people, the places from fully pursuing you and your mission in our neighborhood, in our city, and in our world. Empower us by your spirit to have the courage, the boldness, and the humility to drop those things. Because ultimately you promise that not only will they be returned, but that we will inherit eternal life. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.